You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall 77-72 at home to the Iowa Hawkeyes. This is the Hoosiers' third straight home loss in Big Ten play. Indiana now 13-10 overall, 4-8 in Big Ten conference play. And just a really disappointing night given how much excitement everybody had coming off that thrilling victory over Michigan State to see how this Indiana team would back that performance up, how they would come out and play. And while the Hoosiers, you know, obviously were were able to cut into that 10-point halftime deficit and make it a game there at the end, the fact that they even had to do that and were playing from behind most of the night and had those periods of listless play is just disappointing to everybody who was really hopeful the team had turned a corner against Michigan State. And while this game was better than previous home outings, it's a really sad statement on where we are right now that we can call a five-point loss at home progress. But that's kind of where we are right now in this season. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start the show the way we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And for tonight's Banner Moment, I'm going to go all the way back to the first play of the second half, the Rob Finnessy to Romeo Langford alley-oop uh, that started off. The second half was a nice little momentum builder for Indiana there early in the second half. And really the reason why I picked this is because it was a sign of things to come in the second half for those two. Because Juwan Morgan picked up two awful fouls, which we're going to talk about. And I don't mean awful in terms of calls. Well, the first one wasn't a great call. The second one was just a terrible decision by Juwan. We'll talk about that. But him going out put a lot of pressure on the guys who were left in there. And for as good of a first half as Al Durham had, he didn't really get going in the second half. Justin Smith was a non-factor. And it was basically laid at the feet of Indiana's freshmen to keep the Hoosiers in this game and lead a comeback. And they did. Robin Romeo really did. Romeo Lankford scored 15 points in the second half, uh, had that big three at the end to make it 73-70. And more than that, he played some of the best defense that we've seen from him. You know, Joe Wieskamp came out, made four early three-pointers. Romeo held him to one point in the second half. And it wasn't just Wieskamp missing good looks. Romeo was really playing better defense. So it was an impressive second half from him. And I really thought that we saw the best play from Rob Finnessy that we've seen since his concussion. He had six points, three boards, three assists in the second half. He was much more aggressive. You know, his defense was, you know, you look at what Jordan Bohannon did and you think, oh, you know, Rob must have gotten lit up. And yeah, in a few possessions, he wasn't great, but Bohannon also made some great shots. I mean, I thought Rob really competed defensively um, and really, like I said, played some of the best minutes that we've seen from him since the concussion. And that's a good sign. That's an important sign here as we go down the stretch. So, you know, this was a game where Indiana needed more from its more experienced guys, didn't get enough. But I thought the two freshmen who played the most minutes, Rob and Romeo, really came to play in the second half. And so hat tip to those guys. That is the banner moment uh, for yet another Indiana home loss. 
All right, today's Hoosier Proud Banner Moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel that is available anywhere. And at hoosierproud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana, like the Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Homefield apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. Be sure to check out Homefield's vintage IU designs, including the classic Indiana warm-up script tees and long sleeves, which are printed on incredibly soft tri-blends. Can a brother get some coupons? And yes, of course, don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout today for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And let's start with Andy Bottoms, your bottoms line on this Indiana loss. This was a game where I used effort at times in the second half in particular, really looked like what we saw at Michigan State. But there were a couple lengthy stretches where it just wasn't what it needed to be, uh, particularly on the offensive end. One of those came in the first half when I went to the zone. They took a timeout after Juwan hit a three. For 11 possessions, in the next 11 possessions, I, I ended up playing zone most of the rest of the game, but in those first 11 possessions against the zone, Iowa had five turn, or IU had five turnovers, four in the first five possessions, settled for threes, and scored three points in 11 possessions. And that was really where the game turned, that the momentum that IU had gained by you know, responding to Iowa's hot start with a hot start of their own, that momentum w- quickly went away, and then they played relatively even over the remainder of the half, but you go in with a 10-point deficit, and then you kind of look at the second half and say, if you played this way the entirety of the game, it wouldn't be that close. And some of the late shot clock you know, prayers that Iowa threw up that went in wouldn't have mattered as much. And there was a similar stretch early in the, the second half. IU came out really strong, scored on five of their first six trips, and then they got into this lull. And I think Alex tweeted something about it as well, that it was a, it was a, lot of, a series of missed opportunities for IU where you know, Iowa missed some shots. Uh, but it was another series. I think there was a weird lineup in there for part of it, but an eight possession stretch where IU had one point, three turnovers, and three missed field goals. And, it, you know, even though IU really played better down the stretch offensively and, and on almost every late possession came up with something, it was really those two stretches where you scored four points over, you know, 19 possessions in those two stretches that really were killers in a, in a five point game. And, this team just continues to, while those stretches were a bit less than what we saw in, in you know, home loss to Nebraska and the uh, in the loss to Rutgers and the loss to Michigan, those those stretches were less frequent, uh, but they were still just absolute killers in in those stretches where the the offense struggled so much and and dug a hole in the first half that IU really wasn't able to ever work its way out of, even when the game did get tight in the second half. So to me, those were the the big stretches and those those droughts where even when they stopped Iowa during those stretches, they weren't able to chip into the lead. And, you know, in a, in a game like this where you had that many possessions, you got, you know, 19, that's 19 possessions out of about 67. So you're, you know, not quite a third of the possessions where you got basically nothing out of, out of two key stretches there. Well, Ryan, I follow you on Twitter, so I have a feeling I know what your rant is going to be about tonight. Why don't you, uh, why don't you go ahead? <laughs> You know, it's so funny. We we've defended Justin Smith's defense all year long. And I just 
I just didn't see it from him tonight. I, he, he really made some serious mistakes, and I think that contributed to what I thought. I thought Indiana lost this game in the first half. I mean, you get down by 10 to Iowa, you've got to outscore them by 10 in the second half or more. And Iowa's a team that can score. Iowa's a team that can shoot free throws. And when you're fr- coming from behind, a team that can shoot and score and make their free throws, that, that's just a recipe for disaster when you're trying to come back on them because uh, you're going to get into situations where you got to foul them or you've got to protect against the drive and easy baskets uh, if you need to come back, and that leads to kickouts and threes. And Justin Smith really, to me, had a horrible game tonight. I know the numbers don't look good, but they don't look as awful as I think his performance was. I, you know, And it was noted on the broadcast, he was closing out to known shooters with his arms down, not contesting shots. He did it repeatedly. Uh, and then the second half, there was a play where he kind of got taken down. I thought maybe he got fouled, and he laid on his stomach uh, on, on the offensive end underneath the basket and didn't get a call and sort of slowly got up, was not there on the back end when he ran back. Uh, and you know, sort of jogged back when his teammates are playing five on four. Um, he jogs back, and then they turn around, take it back on offense, and he's basically walking up the court. It's like, you know what, dude? You're playing for Indiana at Assembly Hall in a game that you really need to win against the top 25 team. Put some hustle into it. And and Archie Miller pulled him out right away. And honestly, I would have been fine if he sat the rest of the game. I I was furious at that especially because it was the second half. And in the first half, his lazy defense cost Indiana repeatedly. And so, you know, you want to be upset against a foul. You got to work to earn those fouls and you got to work to earn them on both ends on offense and defense. And he just doesn't. And, and, and we've seen this. And I thought that at times against Michigan state, he looked like the guy we want him to be. And then other times, you know, this season in the big 10, he's just looked like a guy who is not engaged at all. Who's just kind of loping through games instead of, being engaged and being the player we all think he can be. And that was embarrassing. The fact that he didn't run back on defense was embarrassing. Um, and, and then the fact that he walked up on offense after that's like, dude, you just rested through an entire defensive possession. How about you run on offense and get into position? Instead, he was barely across half court when the ball was at the three point line. It's like, you know what? If you're injured, that's one thing. Stay down and let, you know, let them blow it dead. But it, it, if you're not, there's no excuse for walking back on defense and then walking back on walking up on offense. There's none, especially when you're a guy who's played the way he's played this year, you know, and, and I hate getting down and criticizing players, but that, that was just embarrassing to me. And the fact that he's running out on defense, he's supposed to be one of our better defenders and he's running out on defense, not even sort of engaged enough to challenge a three point shooter who was four of four on three pointers in the first half in Wies camp. And he's a guy, by the way, if you've watched tape on Iowa, that's what he does is shoot threes. He's not going to drive by you. And, 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 you know, again, he, you know, he sort of let Bohannon have an open one later too off of a switch. And it's like, dude, did you even pay attention during film? Did you pay attention to the scouting report at all? Because you know, this is the one thing Iowa can do. None of them can drive by you one-on-one. Uh, they're all just going to try and launch threes. And Iowa was 10 of 25 from three. And quite frankly, They were only 10 of 25 because a lot of the other guys in Indiana worked really hard defensively to contest a lot of shots. And Bohannon wound up being five of eight. And I'd say about half of those makes were contested. You know, probably two, two out of five, maybe three out of five were contested or were the kind of shots you'd want him to take. Um, So I just, you know, that kind of thing frustrates me because Justin Smith is so talented and I know the season hasn't gone the way he wants to, but you know what? There's a way to make up for that. And it's by playing hard and playing smart and giving your all to the team. And you know what? If you're giving your all, you'll wind up getting it back tenfold. And and I just, it, it 
frustrates the heck out of me to see a guy that talented just go through the motions and not be dedicated. And, and it drove me nuts. And as I said, though, it, it, you know, Indiana lost this game in the first half by not being smart defensively. Uh, I, I don't even care about the missed offensive possessions. You can't give up 46 points at home uh, in a half. You just can't. And, and I don't, I, you know, I, I know Andy's right about the offensive possessions and the zone and all of that. But none of that matters if you're giving up 46 points in the first half. None of it. And, and, and they just, you know, they just walked through parts of the game and it really was frustrating because in the second half, I thought they looked good. You know, there was, there were stretches where it didn't work where it wasn't great, but that's college basketball. There are stretches in every game for every team that don't look great for the most part. And, you know, I thought the second half, if you contain that as itself, they played really well and they played really hard and they played really focused defensively, particularly they got beat on some shots that happens, but I thought they played very well. And I thought that there was a much more life and aggressiveness in the team. The first half was a disaster and it was really upsetting. It was, it absolutely was. And you know, you're right about giving up that many points in the first half, especially when you're supposed to be a team that hangs your hat on defense, even against a good offensive team like Iowa, you can't do that. And you can't do it at home. Yeah. We have to have more pride. I don't know what happened to the advantage at Simon Scott assembly hall, but it is gone. I mean, it's like we play worse. You know, and, and what you were talking about with Justin Smith is especially disturbing, concerning when juxtaposed with what he just did against Michigan State. You know, it's not like we haven't seen it. I mean, when he's engaged and into it, he can be one of the better defenders in the Big Ten, but it's just so inconsistent. You know, the next thing that I want to hit here, guys, is this was really a game where, number one, Indiana needed more out of its starters. Juwan Mort, you know, you just talked about Justin Smith. Juwan Morgan had 17 points, four rebounds. He was an efficient seven for nine. He could basically do anything he wanted offensively. The problem is that he only played 22 minutes. Now, he didn't foul out. He finished with four fouls. So, in part, he didn't play that many minutes because he was on the bench for a lot of it. And I understand at times you want to take a player out. But this is always my issue with it. Juwan doesn't even foul out. If he's able to play two or three more minutes in this game, we might win the game. Yeah, because dude, he could have fouled out very quickly the way those calls were going. Okay, no, no. Not, I, I certainly say, I certainly say, take him out and let him settle down. All I'm saying is, you foul your own guy out when you take him out for that many minutes, and he finishes the game with four fouls. That's all I'm saying. So yeah, this, but, and this is a game where if he plays for three or four minutes, you might have a chance to win because when Indiana went to its bench tonight, Iowa's depth. Their, the, the better depth that they have over Indiana was really highlighted. They outscored us 14-7 to on the bench. You know, Devontae Green struggled. Uh, Demise Anderson struggled. Evan Fitzner struggled. Jake Forrester struggled. If you have a couple more Juwan Morgan minutes instead of Jake Forrester or Evan Fitzner, this might be a different game is what I'm saying. And those well, margins matter in close games. Let's be real, though. Juwan, those were, I, th- I thought they were all legit calls on Juwan. They were. That's on Juwan, and it's on his coach. He I'm shouldn't not... have committed the fouls, and Archie should have played him more. That's I'm... what I'm saying. I'm not done talking. Did you? Did you? Did I sound like I was done talking? Because I wasn't done. Talking. Don't even start with the interrupting <laughs> stuff. I, Look, we can't have fun. Come on, it's a it's a talk show about <laughs> basketball. Relax. Uh, no, I look. Juwan got that fourth really early in the second half, and quite frankly, with the way he was playing on in the post and the way he was using his hands and fouling, I I would I would have held him out too. Quite frankly, because it, it, I there's a really hefty chance that a really you know high percentage chance he would have fouled out almost immediately going yeah back. take him out let him settle down i agree and, they, and then they get him back in the game 
they sat him until the under eight timeout, which is when I would have brought him back in too. Uh, I think that's the right, that's conventional wisdom for coaching. And quite frankly, it's probably the right one because if you foul him out at 10 minutes, the rest of the team is going to slump their shoulders and say, well, we're not coming back. It, it, Except that you I, just won at Michigan State without him. So you would have been able to point to that example. Yeah, I'm saying how many he should have played more than 22 minutes is what I'm saying. He didn't foul out of the game. Well, he that's did that why, to himself. Yes, he, he did. did and it's on him. I agree. I, 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 I honestly, I'm not, I'm not upset with Archie for, for sitting him until the under eight timeout. I'm not at all because quite frankly, if you lose him at the 10 minute mark, you lose him at the 12 minute mark, you lose him at the you know nine minute mark, but then you play him no in the first half when he only has two fouls, you can get more minutes out of him is what I'm saying. There was you a can. better way to manage it. Sure. That's my point. And in the game like this, three or four more minutes could you're, have made a difference. You're also, you're also obsessed with the play guys with two fouls thing. I'm and not obsessed it. with it. No. I'm saying this is a clear example where it would have made a big difference. And he has played him with two fouls before. He has. And, yeah. and I think that in this game, it got to the point where without Juwan, they cut it, what they cut it to two towards the end of the half. It was, they were in a flow. They were actually playing pretty well without him. And then boom, Iowa scored eight points there. And, and you know went on a run at the end, so they Fucking were playing. Bohannon. Yeah, they were playing pretty well without him. It wasn't like they were falling further and further and further behind. They were playing pretty well, and then boom, got hit in the face. And 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 so, you know, maybe you shove him back in there, but then there's like 30 seconds left in the half. I mean, I I get why he didn't do it. Now again, I'll criticize Archie for leaving a guy on the bench if he's leaving on the bench for a really long time. And Indiana is getting it is, is you know there's a 15-0 run or something in the middle of the quarter. I get that. But the way that was going, they were actually playing pretty well with Deron Davis in there. Um, and then I forget who else. Who, who, what I don't even remember what the lineup was when they cut it to about two. Uh, but then, in, you, you, you know, I, I'm fine with him holding it to the under eight because you need him the rest of the way, basically. And then he only pulled him out for rest breaks after that for like, yeah. you know, 10 seconds at a time or something. So I was fine with the usage of Juwan. I think the fouling is on Juwan. And that's the, the minute yeah. usage is on Juwan because those were bad fouls. Yes, and the that where, shouldn't be lost. It's more on Juwan. You're right. Fourth, it is more on him. The fourth foul was ridiculous. He, Terrible. I mean, let the guy go. He's going to score a layup on you anyway. You're grabbing him around the waist. If he's got position on you, let him go. You're more important than that foul than stopping him right there. Andy, add some sanity to the end of the segment, please. I, I don't know if I could possibly. Uh, I think I think the challenge with bringing him back in is the way that Iowa was playing through Cook. And I think in some ways, Garza getting into foul trouble hurt Morgan a, a, a bit more because he's, then it seemed like he ended up having to play cook a little bit more. I think than they would have liked, they started out Justin Smith on him. And I don't know if that is what led to some of Justin Smith's struggles defensively in terms of getting his hands up where you go from garden, Tyler cook. And then all of a sudden you're garden guys on the perimeter, not, not excusing the, the stuff that you talked about, but I think that really kind of, while it seems like a positive thing, I mean, once Iowa basically abandoned, playing another another true big guy alongside of Cook, it, it made it a little bit hard to figure out what you would do with anybody, and there was really no place to hide uh, Juwan defensively in that especially, situation. Especially because if Juwan had been... Hey, I wasn't done talking. Did it sound hey, like I was right. talking? Hey, you know what? <laughs> the chemistry so, that the three of you have. Yeah, we love each other, folks. Yeah. Uh, so. No, what I was going to say is that Morgan would have had to have either been guarding Cook or been the double guy, and that's just asking for a foul at that point, too. So it's worth noting that. Yeah, I think the, the, now the flip side of that argument is they were they were down seven when he went out with the fouls, and they were down eight when he came back in. So you basically like burned twenty percent of the game and and didn't 
didn't really get any further behind, but you didn't make up any ground either. I, I didn't necessarily mind the first half. I think he did bring it back in a little bit toward the end of the first half and then and then took him back out. Um, but yeah, you, you basically like treaded water for 20% of the game, which is not really a great a, a great feeling. So do you need to do something else? I think, you know, for me, I, I fall, I, I just put so much more back on the fourth foul was just so silly. Horrendous. Um, the third one, you can kind of argue, did he sell it a little bit coming around the screen? Yeah, probably. Um, but, you know, Romeo's beat and it's another case where like, you, you just kind of got to get out of the way and, uh, and, and find things to do there. And I think Juwan even said the same thing. I saw a post game comment already. I've got to, you know, manage that situation a little bit better. Um, but he, but he has to start doing that because it's become a, a, a pretty consistent, uh, yeah, at what point times. do you do that? <laughs> it's getting late in the season. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Iowa. I'll point out tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from this game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we're breaking down Indiana's disappointing 77-72 loss to Iowa as the Hoosiers are unable to back up their big win over Michigan State with another win back at home. They'll have another opportunity on Sunday against Ohio State, and that's really a game that they're going to need to get, especially with three straight losses at home, which is just unconscionable. Uh, so that's something that certainly needs to be addressed. Guys, let's talk about some meaningful moments that folks might have missed. And, you know, to me, the most pivotal moment in the game happened back in the first half. And, you know, Iowa had, uh, you know, kind of been leading for a little while. Indiana comes back. And so they pushed it out a little bit. Indiana had cut it to 31-29. Iowa goes on a little 5-0 run uh, before the end of the half. We cut it to 36-32 after Al Durham makes a three-pointer. So it's 36-32. The crowd's starting to get into it. We finally got some ball movement. We're getting some things going. We whipped the ball around. I think Romeo drove the baseline, whips the ball around. It goes to Devontae Green. He's shooting a three to put us within one. The crowd would have absolutely erupted. He misses the three, and Jordan Bohannon goes down and drains two of them. And so in the span of 30 seconds, instead of it being a one-point game and all the momentum being on Indiana's side, it is 42 to 32, and that 10-point deficit, you know, Iowa essentially nursed that all the way to the end of the game. And, you know, they just kind of outlasted Indiana because we kept chipping away, kept chipping away one or two points there in the second half. But, you know, Ryan, your point was right. I mean, they're leading by 10 at the half. It's really hard to outscore them by 10 and a half. And that, that play right there, you know, this was – we're coming off a game against Michigan State where it felt like every time Indiana needed to hit a big three, they made it. And tonight, it wasn't quite that way. You know, that, that some of those threes just weren't falling like they were against Michigan State. What did Indiana finish from three tonight uh, overall seven for the 21. game? Yeah, seven of 21. And, you know, there were a couple like that one from Devontae Green, and there was a, one from Al late in the second half where if you hit those, it's a different game. And tonight... And they weren't bad shot. shots. No, they weren't bad shots. I mean, that you know, look, Devontae Green, and we'll talk about him. I mean, he, he really did not have a good night. But, the, you know, that, that was a really big shot, a big opportunity. And then, and look, it takes two. You know, Iowa's got to go down and hit those shots. And, you know, sometimes you have to tip your cap to the opponent. And what Jordan Bohannon and Tyler Cook did tonight, inside and outside, I mean, they came in and just made really tough shots. And, 
I tip my cap to those guys because those were great shots that they made, and they were especially timely. It felt like every single shot Bohannon hit was a dagger. Like it yeah. would kill momentum or extend momentum. And look, when you have I a guard who it. can do that, it makes a big it makes a big difference. So, and I tonight Indiana I, couldn't make those shots. Absolutely cannot stand that guy. But he like, did have a like like just because he's good and hits big shots, or is there something he does he does that annoys you? Um, can I just hate someone? Jared? Yeah, no, you can. I just didn't know if I was missing something. <laughs> no, I mean he makes big shots, but he's also a talker, and he's a you know he is a talker. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. You know what? Make Jordan Hall's. I never saw Jordan Hall's talk trash when he hit a three. And quite frankly, Mr. Bohannon, you are no Jordan Hall's. Ooh, so I like that. Uh, All so, right. Yeah, and, but he was big for tonight. I mean, t- he, again, tip your cap to him. He was big. That, that three he hit at the end was just absurd. There's no reason that should go in. And Indiana could not have defended that any differently i don't think i mean really no. you're not going to run out to a guy 35 feet from the basket and get in his face you want him taking that shot off one foot and he just made yep. it uh i will say the one before that in the corner rob finnessy he, he pulled a freshman move he yep. you don't help off the three-point shooter and he helped off gave bohannon just he recovered but he gave bohannon just enough room to get it off and that's something that i think rob will see in film and maybe never do again but it was a it was a freshman mistake and he left the guy open in the corner and if you think about it, if you take those two threes at the end away, they were eight of 23 and you feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Um, but 10 of 25 makes it 40%. It's a little different. And um, so that that really kind of changed that. But the first half, it seemed like they were hitting everything. Second half, everything was contested. Indiana did a really nice job in the second half for most of the of you know the 20 minutes contesting all those threes and playing, I thought, pretty darn good defense. They held Iowa to 31 points, and that includes all the free throw shooting late. Yeah. Andy, what other moments stood out to you? Yeah, I talked about the those couple stretches that I thought were really big. There was another one, and I wish I had written down what the score was at this point, but I had started to get some momentum back. It was probably about, I guess, about midway through the second half. Iowa had turned it over, uh, and uh, I used coming down the floor with the ball. That was the third turnover in four possessions for Iowa. I, I used got the ball, and I'm not sure what they could have cut the lead to. Finnessy took a long two really early in the shot clock that just seemed like he had just had a nice drive. The possession before that just seemed like a – I wouldn't say you don't need a heat check after you you know, drive for a layup, but it just seemed like an ill-advised shot, not really what IU was looking to get. Um, they managed to keep Iowa from scoring on the other end, and then Al missed that three that you that you talked about. Then Bohannon get, goes down and gets fouled on that and one where they kind of got a little bit tangled up. He's coming around to screen. They seal off Duran, I think, was the, the big guy that was in there, and Finnessy fouled him in a situation where he really didn't have any way to to stop him. And I thought... Um, you know, I thought Finnessy played really well in the second half. I thought he looked, you know, continued to just give you some of those concerns in the first half where just didn't seem quite like himself. But I really thought defensively, and, and it seems odd to say this about a guy who who guarded somebody who scored 19 points in the second half, but I, I really did think he played pretty well against Bohannon and really tried to get up in him and, and fought through screens. Uh, and, and I thought for the most part did a good job, forced him to make tough shots. Some of those 19 points, obviously came on on free throws down the stretch, but I thought he played so much better in the second half, but that was a stretch where it was a you know, a shot in a defensive play that you, you kind of wish he could have had back. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning on Finnessy too. You mentioned one of the longer jumpers he took. He He's clearly not back from a shooting perspective. No. He's getting there with the drive, and he's gotten much better with the drive over the last few games since, the, the, since coming back from his injury, but he's not there shooting-wise, and it just looks awkward. It looks weird, and it's missing by a lot. So clearly, that's just a repetition thing. He didn't practice for however long, and it's clearly had an effect on him. Um, 
but but I did think it was encouraging to see him driving more effectively now. Uh, he also he you know had eight points, um, but he also had five rebounds, four assists, two steals, only one turnover. I thought that was a really nice game from Rob. Uh, the best we've seen since he's been back, I think. And uh, but that jump shot is going to take a little bit of time. I mean that's repetition, and it's just something he hasn't had. So let's let's dig into a few numbers. You know, one number that I thought was interesting coming into this game is that Iowa has not lost a game this year in which Joe Wieskamp has scored in double digits. And tonight, you know, he got off to that huge start, you know, scored 12 points, it seemed like, before the game even started. He only finished with 13, so Indiana really defended him well in the second half. But Romeo. this is, you know, but, but this is where attention to detail becomes so important if you're going to win Big Ten games against good teams. You know, because he scores 13 points, so, you know, if you keep him in single digits at nine, it's a 73-72 game. And, and the margins are so small. And so this is why, Ryan, as you mentioned, you've got to close out to a guy like him that's a good shooter. You can't let him get those open looks because those are the differences between winning and losing the game. So I thought from a positive standpoint, Andy, you know, something we saw in the Michigan State game was the return of assists finally for Indiana because the ball, you know, the ball was moving. Uh, the guys look like they have more of a clue offensively. And because you get a guy like Deron Davis in there with his ability to pass. And tonight, Indiana with 17 assists on 26 made field goals. Deron Davis with seven of them. And, you know, we haven't talked a lot about Deron yet. and His numbers don't jump you know, off the stat sheet quite like they did against Michigan State. But he plays 23 minutes. Great, again, to see him playing 20-some minutes and looked good. Like, he was moving pretty well. That was good to see. Four points, five rebounds, seven assists, no turnovers. He was really productive when he was in there. Had you know had a few defensive possessions that might not have been great, but he continues to be a, a really important piece for this team uh, offensively. You know, to the point where you would have really liked to see him get more than two shots off in 23 minutes. But part of that was the zone, um, and obviously there just weren't as many opportunities for him to just go post up on the block like he normally has. But he is really finding a way in these last two games to contribute and make big plays. So that was obviously good to see. Uh, and then, uh, you know, on a, on a downer note, Devontae Green plays 17 minutes, turns it over four times, and of his four missed shots, you know, we had the one three-pointer, but he had a couple of floaters that really had no chance, and, you know, those are shots that are close to turnovers. Um, and so, you know, just not a good night uh, for Devontae Green coming off his really strong night against Michigan State. Andy, what numbers jumped out to you tonight? Yeah, the assists were one that I was going to talk about. I think IU had 11 assists in the first half on 13 makes and then six on 13 makes in the second half turned into a little bit more one-on-one uh, -on -one in the second half. And actually, it was funny looking at the second half box score for Iowa for as many points as those guys had. I think they only had three assists as a team in the second half on 10 made field goals. So at some level, it's just you know two guys going out and making a ton of plays because they had 27 of their 31 uh, in the second half between Bohannon and Cook. So the assist number, I think, continues to be a positive and, and speaks to the ball movement. I, I agree with you about Duran not getting as many shots. I, I really felt like IU had some better opportunities, and I think I saw a quote from Juwan to this effect after the game where they had some some things that they could have done better against the zone where there were uh, some potential high-low passes that were there. I thought a couple times guys in the short corner, especially Justin Smith, ended up getting the ball, catching it behind the backboard. Um I watched my daughter do this like four times in a game over the weekend, so I'm sadly familiar with that, uh, with what usually happens when that uh, that occurs. But I thought they they really struggled to um, to to attack in that way. I thought they did better off of you know cutters and things like that, where Justin got some of his dunks and 
uh, and points that way. Uh, the turnover number, only four in the second half, was was big because Iowa had 16 points off of eight IU turnovers in the first half, so only three points off turnovers in the second half. That number really cut down uh, quite a bit. IU second chance points wise, you know, went out 14 to two, but got outscored uh, from the bench. And and Iowa really was, you know, in the first half, all their points either came in the lane from three point range or on free throws. And I think the game ended up pretty close. They might have hit a jump shot that was just outside of the lane. Um, but they ended up with you know thirty two points in the paint, thirty points on uh, three pointers, and uh, and thirteen from the from the free throw line. So only two points outside of there. So they really did you know kind of the way that they like to play and 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 get you to play fast and uh, and do some things like that. But that, that the turnovers were big in the first half. Um, and again, I think it's just another way that IU really tightened things up in the second half. But you can't, as you said, I think for for this team or really any team probably the you know these these stretches trying to find ways to shorten or eliminate the stretches of bad play where again the turnovers come in bunches and the and and you defensive breakdowns come in bunches and you and you lead to easy points for the other team you know this team just can't there's some teams out there that can probably do that the elite of the elite can can withstand some of those stretches but this isn't one of those teams and uh you know i, I don't think they have to play perfect but they have to get pretty close to it, and and you hope a little bit more as you as as they kind of step back and look at some of these games, they realize just how thin some of those margins can be, and the difference between you know you play like this tonight and have you know fewer long droughts as you did against the Nebraska or a Michigan or something like that. Those games are substantially closer if you play with the effort that you did tonight, but you just can't you know have those lapses of the length that they seem to come for IU. And I think some of that is, you know, some of the guys that are in during those stretches that, you know, made some questionable decisions and things like that. But um, I, I think the, the bench play, as you said, was another one where you, you kind of highlighted, I thought Duran played really well, did a lot of, did a little bit of a lot of things, but really outside of that, you didn't get, you didn't get much, if anything, off the bench. And that was such a huge factor um, in, in being able to withstand Juwan's injury against Michigan State. And Iowa goes nine, ten deep, you know, so you knew you were going to have to have some contributions from the bench, but Indiana just unable to get them tonight. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Iowa. We haven't talked much about Al Durham yet. He was terrific in the first half. We need to talk about him. And then just our general feelings after this game as we head into Sunday against Ohio State. That's next here on the assembly call. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed, and it will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we're breaking down Indiana's 77-72 to loss to the Iowa Hawkeyes tonight in Bloomington. Um... Ryan, let's talk about Al Durham, because I thought in the first half, when Indiana really needed a spark, he really stepped up and provided it. You know, he made a three when no one really wanted to drive the ball. Al took it and went, you know, got himself to the line a couple of times and was really productive. I think he had 11 points uh, in the first half, or actually he might have had all of his points in the first half. Yeah, he had 12 points in the first half. And, you know, so it was kind of a tale of two halves for him. I mean, the second half could not get himself going, did not score 
missed both of his threes, um, you know, had a rebound and assist, did have a block, and played 18 minutes, and I thought played pretty well defensively. So his game was better than what the numbers suggest. Uh, you know, but again, in the first half, you know, Indiana goes through these lulls sometimes where no one really wants to step up offensively, and a lot of times it's Al that's just like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to drive to the basket. You know, I'm going to step up and make a big shot. And so, you know, he continues to be a guy now over the last five games. You know, I have to look at the numbers, but I think over the last five games now, his scoring average has got to be up over 10. It's probably like 10, 10.3. And, you know, we talked for a long time about this team needing a second score to step up. You know, and now he's been a guy. Double figures in four out of the last five games. He's become a reliable guy who you can count on for scoring production. So the second half numbers don't look great. But once again, he stepped up with double-digit points. And I thought, importantly, was really there offensively when no one else really seemed to want to be aggressive. He decided to lead the way. Well, let's, I mean, he didn't score in the second half, but his defense never let up. He yep. is Indiana's most consistent player on both ends of the floor. I mean, he is. He is. There's no question. He's the most reliable player on the team right now. And and I know that the scoring averages for Morgan and Lankford are great and everything, but you get fits and starts with them. Morgan with the foul trouble, Romeo Lankford sometimes just disappears for 10 minutes at a time and wanders around the perimeter instead of doing what he does best. And that's driving and getting into the lane and, and putting pressure on defenses. And we saw that again tonight, in the first half. I mean, I was texting you guys during it, just like, why is he just standing there and firing threes when that's not what he does? He needs to get into the lane, get fouled, or get a layup. He can beat anybody on Iowa's team one-on-one. Uh, <clears throat> but Al is their team's most consistent player, and he's he deserves everything, he every accolade he gets. I, I think that uh, when he gets mentioned on national broadcasts, he deserves it because he's earned it, and he's become a better player, and he's made himself a better player. And right now, I am fine with him being in 35 minutes a game because you know at least defensively you're going to get effort the entire time he's in there. And then offensively, I uh, offensively, I just think that, you know, in the second half, the, the flow of the game went away from him. And, and look, he's not a guy who's going to stand and take a contested three. He's a guy who's going to catch and shoot uh, a three or drive into the middle, maybe pull up as we've seen him do. Or His try mid-range get game is awesome. <laughs> it is. I mean, and honestly, he's a guy who came and I know he said he didn't need to work on his shot. His shot's really pretty right now. And, and it's where it needs to be. And he drove into the lane in the second half and kind of lost it going up. And it was funny because he usually finishes with his right hand when he goes up in the lane. Yeah. And he tried to finish it with his left hand. And it just didn't work. I don't know if he lost the ball on the way up or what. But um, he's just a guy who gives you a max effort at all times. I am never afraid that he's going to get beat defensively. Sure, it's going to happen because uh, that's just basketball. But I, you know. I just am never afraid of, of that guy. And I am always uh, 100% sure that that guy's going to give you max effort and and be a leader for the team. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if I, I like him playing a lot, but I'm not sure if we wouldn't be better off having him be the first guy off the bench if, if the team is struggling. Um, but the problem is, is I don't know who to start ahead of him. So it's because uh, I think there have been some games where he's come off the bench and played his best games. Uh, so I, right now, I just don't know if there is a lineup change in the future, uh, but man, I mean, you would start, Devo I guess you'd have to start Devonte. Yeah, but I wouldn't even do that. I would think about maybe moving Morgan to the perimeter. Um, and, yeah, and I guess you could start. Yeah. Devon. I mean, you know, or sh just shift things around. I don't know yeah. how you would do it, but um, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't say enough about Al. I think he's become India's most reliable player on both ends of the floor. And uh, he's also the most consistent shooter at the free throw line and from three. So, uh, really, that's a guy who who 
I really look forward to watching his growth, not only the end of the season, but towards next year as well. Andy, you want to hop in here for Al Durham Appreciation Hour? Yeah, I really thought it was another game in the first half where, like you said, nobody else really seemed to want to step up. And if it wasn't for him, the game really gets out of control. And we, you know, we all talked about the game kind of being lost in the first half. And I think that's still probably true. But, uh, you know, he really stepped up. He every every wide open shot he had, he made. And and I thought uh, I don't know what the difference really was in the second half. Maybe it was not having. I'm not sure if the, you know things kind of clogged up where I was playing their zone, the, even the back line of it up really high, um, and so I don't know if that just didn't give him enough room on the wing on the on the perimeter to get some shots off. He did get a couple off, but uh, did think he played well. I think defensively he continues to put forth a lot of effort and and has really turned into a, a consistent guy. And the you know the only part about potentially thinking does he do you good off the bench? It you know I was I I look now at the box score and he played 35 minutes. But at one point I was tweeting out, he needs to be back in the game and he may have only been out for, you know, three minutes. And I was like, yeah, we well, got to get him back out there. But I think you just need, you know, the energy and the, and the leadership. We've talked a lot about him really stepping into that role and, and you see and continue to see how important that really is that he's become more vocal and, uh, and more active in that regard. But, you know, the reality is you, you step back and you look at the second half and you got 18 points combined out of, out of Al and Justin in the first half and you got zero. Uh, combined from him in the second half, and uh, and that's and I thought IU played well in the second half, even without you know significant contributions from those guys. But you know, it just goes to show the on some level the inconsistency of what the team uh, really is right now. But uh, certainly from an effort standpoint, I, I think Al played really well, and it was another another solid game for him. I think he's really done a nice job of stacking these solid performances after one another, really not letting up and, and building on one, not backsliding into a into a, a a lesser performance, he's really been able to string these together, which is uh, going to be important for whatever uh, the rest of the season holds. So I'm looking at Twitter and some of the comments coming out of the post-game press conferences. And I see one from Archie where he says, I wasn't terribly disappointed with our team tonight. And I don't, I don't want this segment to be a, you know, let's pick apart Archie's words here because I want to see the whole thing in the full context. But I do think it's an interesting question. Like, are you guys disappointed in the team tonight? Because on the one hand, you know, as as we've pointed out, you know, the defensive effort was much better in the second half. Uh, you know, certain individual players had good games. And yet at the end of the day, you know, coming off a big road victory over Michigan State in another really big spot at home, we lost. And that's three home losses in a row. And, you know, what what excuse really is there, you know, given everybody who was out there tonight? I mean, the team was pretty healthy. It was the same lineup that went up to Michigan State you know, you're down 10 at halftime to Iowa. I mean, I am disappointed in, in how this went happy with, you know, certain individual elements of it, but again, third straight home loss. Like I just, we've got to get back to a point where playing like this is unacceptable at home. And I realize yeah. we're building back to it, but I'm still pretty disappointed in this game overall, despite, you know, the few positive things that we've been able to, to pull out from it. Yeah. I think that, again, we've always kind of been like, let's not parse a coach's... Yeah, word. and I, I probably shouldn't have prefaced it that way, but it was just yeah. an interesting segue into it. Because I, I will say that, and I've said this a million times on the show, is that right after the game, the coach is reacting to what just happened. He's not reacting to the full game and everything that he's reacting. Hey, we had a chance to win the game at the end against a good yeah. team. And, you know, so I can't feel bad about that. You know, it, but 
it's it, honestly him talking on his coach's show is far more valuable than right after the game. They have yeah. to do it after the game because newspaper reporters need something to write about us damn journalists. Um, but I, I will say that I think that I am not disappointed in a lot of what we saw tonight. I'm disappointed in the results, certainly, and and heavily disappointed in the result because I want I really badly wanted to win this game. Um, I'm disappointed in stretches of the game where they I thought they played not very smart. Um, especially in the first half. <clears throat> but if you're going by what we saw towards the end of the game, that second half was very encouraging in, in stretches. It really was, uh, especially when you consider how they got it down from 10 to two or, or three and had it, you know, a real chance. I mean, they, they were, it was, they were down three and Romeo had a three and, and, and it went in and out and he didn't follow through on it. And it was pointed out on the broadcast that he didn't follow through on it. He pulled his hand back a little bit. He follows through and lets it snaps it off and lets it go. Maybe that goes in and maybe it's a tie game. So I uh, I, I don't expect much worse. Uh, I, I I mean I don't expect you know the the coach after an effort like that to to really rip his players or, or rip his effort. Yeah. But uh, I I think that there are things that were disappointing that need to be cleaned up certainly and need to be better. But I think also. There were positives tonight. I mean, I thought Deron Davis, for only scoring four points, was really a positive. He played 22 minutes, showing that he can take playing 25 against Michigan State and then follow it up with 22. Uh, the seven assists were fantastic. The five rebounds. We're seeing more fight out of Duran. Not that he wouldn't always fight, but that he's capable of sustaining that fight for a little bit longer, just health-wise. Yeah, uh, I think that's huge. And I think a guy like Deron Davis could be huge down the stretch for Indiana because when you're not playing against the zone, that guy I'll take one-on-one with any big guy in the Big Ten with his back to the basket. I really will. And yeah. and it makes you wonder when you see him play, how different would this season have been if he had been more healthy, you know, and 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 had more of a chance to play. So, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in stretches of this game. I'm disappointed. I'm incredibly disappointed with the result. I'm incredibly disappointed with the way they closed out the first half. In general, I think there's some positives to build on that certainly look better than some of the losses in that seven-game losing streak. I do feel like this team is not the same team that lost seven in a row. I feel like the way they played tonight, the way they played over the weekend, they look like they've turned a corner a bit. But again, they turned a corner and still lost at home. And, and so that's, that is disappointing. Uh, but I feel like the team maybe has gotten better and is playing with a little more confidence. It's just. I mean, I mean, we are better than we were on the seven-game losing streak. I'll admit like, that. I mean, this because the bar, better. the bar had been set wildly low. Yes, of course, no. <laughs> so. But I mean, it's a, you know, look, if you're if you're grading on a curve here, this was way better than that. Well, yeah, but but, also, that, but, but okay, but I guess what I mean is because you're right, there were things to build on. But like at some point, these things to build on have to like turn into something because it's oh, February. So, oh, for sure. So that's what I mean. Sure. I mean, we're I'm running out of these it. opportunities. So I'm just looking at it in the vacuum of tonight. And and I, you're right. And there's not much time left in this season. They already have eight conference losses. You got to start winning some games, boys. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's and, you know, you got 10 losses on the season and only 13 wins. I mean, you started January was, it, you know, after your first game of January, you had 12 wins and, and you're only got 13 now. So. Yeah, no, there. Trust me, there's there's got to be an urgency here. But I feel better about the loss tonight than I did about any of the ones during that losing streak. Uh, of course, again, grading on a curve, I still think this is a loss that shouldn't have happened. Um, and also, you know, you look at it, you lose by five, and you only had, as you said, Juwan Morgan for 22 minutes. Uh, that has to change. Juwan's got to be playing 30 to 35 minutes a game, 
no questions asked. He's got to do that. And, and, you know, when he was out or there, even 25, 26, no, I'm not, I'm not bringing that up again. Just, don't all right. Andy, uh, Andy, Andy, come on. Yeah. <laughs> come don't, on. Don't take us back there. Don't do that. Uh, it's it's a tough question to answer, and I think you you can kind of understand why he why he answered it the way that he did. I mean, if you really want to parse it, you can you can read it as he is disappointed, but just not maybe as much as he was before. <laughs> so, I guess if you think of it that way, I, I kind of fall a little bit into that camp. I mean, I think if you look back at some of the effort and the things like that that you really felt were missing in some of the other games, I thought that for the most part that wasn't the issue tonight there were some executional things that that weren't done as well as they needed to be and some some careless turnovers and and some of those kinds of things but I didn't feel for the most part like the struggles tonight were the result of what seemed to be a lack of effort lack of passion um, that I think we would have characterized so many of those other losses as so in that regard it's positive but I also you'll look back at those stretches that I talked about offensively and some similar stretches defensively where you know, one breakdown led to led to four, and and you'd like to think that one coming off of the Michigan State win, and two at this point in the season, your team is able to, you know, stop those kinds of stretches a little bit quicker and really react and respond quickly in those scenarios. And it didn't seem like that was uh, the case as much as it needed to be. So. I think you saw, you know, ultimately everybody wanted to see everything that went well in the Michigan State game carry over uh, into the game today. And I think if that was your expectation, you're probably a little bit disappointed because some of those things did translate for periods of time, but not not as much as they needed to and not for as long as they needed to. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm just disappointed. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's it, it is disappointing. It's, it's a disappointing loss. Um but, you know, I, I don't know. I really, I, you know what I really want right now and I think we really need is Race Thompson to get back. Like, He's been practicing, so I guess it's, I know. it's just a matter of conditioning now. So hopefully I, he can. I just feel like he is one of the few guys that could come off that bench and just not look outmanned on the floor. You know, I mean, a lot of our guys are coming off. And like Demisey and Jake, they're young and they're they're not particularly built yet or physical enough. And, and you look at Race Thompson, you're like, that guy could do it and and you're just without him and obviously he needs to get up to speed and fully healthy before he can before he can play but i, I just he's a guy that i'm just like man i would love to see him it would it's gonna stink when he comes onto the floor and dominates and we're like man if we could have had him three weeks ago you know i uh i, I just no, i hope just, he gets on the i hope he gets on the. Floor. i hope we can have that moment <laughs> i know let's do all right, uh, coming up in our final segment, we're going to hand out our game ball. This will be a more interesting game ball segment than what we've had recently. Uh, we'll hit any other storylines we haven't hit, and then in the last call, we will deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's loss to Iowa. That's next on the Assembly Call. listening to the assembly call iu postgame show i'm jared morris i'm here with Andy bottoms and ryan phillips and we're wrapping up our breakdown of indiana 77 to 72 loss to the iowa hawkeyes on thursday night at simon scott assembly hall 
Gentlemen, it is time for our game ball, and I feel like for the last three or four games, it's been uh, you know pretty easy. But chat mob, be ready because I feel like we may be going in different directions with this one. Uh, and just real quick to bring everybody up to speed, Juwan and Romeo are tied with six game balls apiece. Duran has three, Al Durham has three, and Rob Finnessy, Devonte Green, Justin Smith, and Clifton Moore all have one. <laughs> I know it, it happened. I think it was the Nebraska game. Huh? One. Yeah, because he came in and played good for like three minutes, and those were the I mean, only I've, three good minutes of the game. Was, so three I've more minutes than like, anybody else thought, so that's I've, where I've, we ended up. I've blocked out like a month of post-game shows. So I'm pretty sure it was a unanimous game ball, too. Like, it was... Great. Great. It's, it's we're really weird, doing bang-up analysis here. It's been a weird season. It's been a really weird season. Uh, Andy, let's go to you for the game ball first. Who do you who uh, gets your game ball? Well, Ryan said he wanted to go first, so far be it for me. And if I just start talking, he would just interrupt anyway. So, Ryan, why don't you go yep. ahead and go? Uh, there's only one answer here, by the way. If you answer no, anything there, else, no, there is you are, there. you are wrong. It's Al Durham. Oh, the God. effort on both ends of the floor tonight was fantastic. He kept Indiana in the game. You make the me not like Al when you present it like that. That's Stop your doing fault. that. that that's, a, that's a you problem. No, Al, Al, was, Al was really good tonight. Al kept him in the game in the first half, hit some big shots, uh, knocked down all four of his free throws, two of five from three. One, two of his, uh, he had two, I believe he had two three-point attempts in the second half. Yeah. One of them was down and out that I thought was a good shot. Um, but he had 12 points, two rebounds and assists, two blocks, uh, only one turnover. And I thought he played the best defense of anybody on the floor. I thought he was all over the place defensively. And I think he deserves it for the consistent effort. When Indiana went into lulls, Al Durham did not go into lulls. And and so I am giving it to him because I thought he deserved it more than anything. I thought he was the best player for Indiana floor on the floor. He may not have been the best scorer and he may not have put up the best numbers, but I thought he was the best, most confident player on the floor for Indiana bar none. All right, Andy, you want to go next? Yeah. I mean, when, cause I just well, agree I with that. I, well, I nearly jumped in with your, with your point, but the way he prefaced that made me actually not like Ryan and that it didn't really have anything to do with my feelings for Al. Yeah, well, I know. No, I, I I quickly removed it from my feelings for Al. Quickly. Yeah, don't don't take it. I out love on Al. Al Durham. Yeah, don't take it out on Al. I mean, that's not fair. Uh man, this is this actually is a difficult one. I mean, I think the options really are are Langford and and Durham for me. And if you could give out a first half and a second half, I think it would be obvious who would get each one. Uh, Romeo played so well in the second half. Fifteen of IU's thirty six. Uh, really, you know, stepped up his effort on the on the defensive end. And I've got a comment here. And Rachel, oh, I'm sure you do. Um, Let's mute him. But the but the reality is that I think some of the 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 play, you know, where is that in the first half is kind of what leaves you you wanting more a little bit. God, I'm agreeing with him. This is terrible. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm okay, gonna but, okay. But hold on, okay, hold on a second, hold on a second, because you're right. Romeo wasn't great in the first half, but you know what? At some point, production matters. So Romeo's terrible first half. Seven points, four rebounds, two assists. That yes. was his bad first half. Okay, what about defensively, and, and, and Jared? no, no, defensively he wasn't good early, but he did get better as the half went on. Joe, but then Joe in the camp hit yeah, fourth, I, under, I understand that, but he took on the challenge in the second half and improved within the game. That to me was impressive, because you know this could have just been a lost defensive game for Romeo, but he came back, took on that challenge, and so I didn't look. I didn't think he was good in the first half, but. He was still productive, and he did rebound. But then in the second half, you know, again, and I, I still think Al played well despite not scoring and not doing a lot that was counted in the box score. 
But, you know, Romeo puts up 15 points. He did make three threes tonight. Like, I think at some point, production does actually matter. And sure. so when you combine that with the fact that he did take on that defensive challenge on Weisskamp, and not all those threes were his fault, by the way, in the first half. Not all of them were his fault. Three of them were. Okay, right. Three of them were, but not all of them were his, were his fault. But Where he came he back in the league? second half and played much better. So, look, I think Al had a really fine game. Don't get me wrong. But I do think sometimes we hold Romeo to such a high standard that when he as has a should. really good – yes, as we should. But we shouldn't discount it when he has a really good game like he did tonight. And so, I think to he me, really, he gets the game ball. I will say this. He had a really good second half. He did. The first half to me was not good. Uh, I thought he lost Wies Camp several times where he would just wasn't even looking. Uh, I thought that other guys beat him off the dribble. I thought that it, it was not he was not engaged in the first half as he should have been. Maybe he was cold coming into the game, but he came out flat. He made some plays uh, in to score points in the first half. But Indiana lost this game in the first half. We've all kind of said that over the last you know hour. Basically. But that wasn't just his fault. I mean, no, it wasn't. Again, we've talked about this repeatedly. Your best players have to make big plays when things aren't going well. And when there was a 10-0 run, Romeo was wandering around the perimeter, not driving, not trying to cut things up, not trying to make a difference. I'm not saying he didn't have a good game. I thought his second half was stellar. And that's, that's true. The, this debate that's, is getting kind of ridiculous because we both think the they were the two Langford. best players. That's the but. Romeo Lankford I want. I want the guy who was in the second half. And we've seen it a lot this year where Romeo comes out and has a very slow start to the game or a very slow first half and then blows up in the second half. I want to see that guy in the first half to sort of lay the law down and say, I'm the best player on the floor and I want to win this game. I think Al was that guy in the first half. And then the second half, I thought Al deferred a little bit and was willing to pass up possibly open shots because they were moving the ball better in the second half. We saw that. I mean, they had more, they had a ton of assistance. No, I, I've, I've used that very same criteria to hand game balls to other people. I just I thought, I just thought Romeo's overall production tonight went above that. And I thought the fact that he got himself back going defensively after a poor start, which is not something he often does. I was I'm impressed just, with I, that. I also I would like to mention that Sally and Patrick both think Romeo should be disqualified for airballing a free throw. I will yeah. take that under advisement, but I don't think it's going to change my choice. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. Yes, I think the chat mob is very heavily in the in the in the way of Al uh, just looking at it. But that's my guess. Uh, well, the record will show that neither of you ever let me actually finish. Yeah, I know. Who I was going to give mine to. So. Oh gosh, Andy's opinion matters. Oh my Jared God. has Jared has fallen into your trap by by Sorry, doing that. I did. Sorry. I'm I'm tempted to give it to Duran just just to make the uh, chat mob <laughs> decide. Actually, Duran, Duran's a, he's a worthy choice. He had seven assists. Four points, sure. five rebounds, seven assists. Played well defensively, right. too. Let's turn I'm it gonna, over to the chat mob. I'm, I'm cool going to do that, that and let the chat mob decide. <laughs> that right. way, nobody nobody's feelings get hurt and, and whatever. I did think he played well. I mean, he had five assists in eight minutes in the first half. That was pretty crazy. So for as much as Al was a big part of the first half, I thought Duran was as well. And I, I thought he got in foul trouble in the first half a little bit, but uh, managed to stay out of it in the second half. So we'll do that. Although, according to Ryan, chat mob is going heavily with Al. I, I would probably I would probably lean that direction as well, but I, I think Jared's argument is compelling. And sure, I, I'm not really saying... compare you know the entirety of the the production and and whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean they were they were you know I think those those couple guys you know stood out in in my ass. So we probably don't need to belabor it. But no, I, I think I think Al's going to eventually. I think get we it. already I'm, have belabored it. But like, I'm know. fine with that. I've been driving the Al train for a, you know a long time on this show, and I think I think he I think he was really good tonight too. So I don't think you can go wrong with any of these choices. It's fun to debate them. It's especially fun to debate Ryan and his very debatable face over there. Um, but yeah, I think Ouch. 
I think Ouch. I think Al's going to win this. All right, we we have a comment from Franciscan Fireworks. He says, "I'm waiting for you guys to hold Romeo to a high standard defensively. He has a high ceiling defensively and lays an egg repeatedly against inferior athletes." Is that a fair criticism of us? Because I feel like we no, have I held them we, to a pretty high standard defensively. Yeah, guys. I mean, if you're not if you're new to the show, maybe and and maybe it gets lost in because we've had criticism of so many people. But um, no, I thought in the first half. I mean, I would have come on here and we were texting about it. Yeah, I, we were. I, I, I would have come on here and blasted him um for you know for for playing poor defense and i think that again it, it, it that it, it happens on both ends of the floor where he's just not as engaged as he should be and again i don't know if he's not coming out warm if he's not you know whatever or if he just is one of those guys that needs time to get into a game but it is frustrating as heck for us because we we see the potential there that guy could be an elite defender and he's shown it at times Wieskamp did not get going at all in the second half. I think he had one point in the second half. Um, but, you know, the first half, he kind of killed IU in that stretch. And uh, Romeo, you know, will get lost at times. It's also worth noting that Romeo was also a freshman who has never had to play great defense on anybody. So, yeah, the potential is there, but he's also young. And, and you saw Finnessy, who I think is an excellent defender and played very good defense tonight. Even he got lost late in the game on Bohannon and gave up a three. That's just what happens when young guys are playing college basketball. They get lost in their mistakes. But at the same time, you're, you're right and that that he needs that Romeo needs to play at a better level. He really does. He, Francisco he's also playing. He said, "I missed the text." Did you guys he's include on, me? Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, buddy. You, no. you know the other thing. The other thing I'll say, and and I would agree. I think we've been critical of that at times, and and it's similar to what we say with Juwan, where we kind of are giving him a pass if he needs to. I don't want to say take possessions off because I don't. That's not really what we mean. Um, but but be able to you know be cognizant of hey, I'm not going to get in foul trouble. I'm not going to do things like that. And then, you know, you look. I mean, Romeo's playing. He played 38 minutes tonight. Every minute of the second half, you know, he's he's playing so many minutes that. Yeah, it takes know, the, the bigger sample size that you have, the more you're going to have plays that you get beat and different things like that. I, I do in no way am I saying that there have been there haven't been possessions where he has not been where he needs to be. And I think it becomes even more frustrating when you see him play defense the way he did in the second half. We've seen that even some earlier in the year because he's got good length and get into passing lanes and really be disruptive. And so you watch him basically shut down a guy who was torching IU in the first half and the second half tonight. And I think a reasonable reaction is to say, I want to see that all the time. I don't know that that is realistic either, but it's a, it's a fair criticism because if he, if he came out and at no point showed that he could play defense, well, that would be, that would be one thing, but you, the, his second half defense tonight was really good. Just the, you know, he and Finnessy both like really just fighting through screens and, and all the things you have to do the way that Iowa plays where it's a lot of, you know, trying to run guys off and, and, and some of those kinds of things, I thought they, that he did really well. So it, it's, I think that to me is where the frustration comes because you see him do it at times and not at others, but I, you know, put it into context a little bit and you can see why that would be difficult for a guy in his position playing those kind of minutes to really stay that locked in for the entirety of the game. <laughs> all right here's the comment of the night from the dude he says yeah, if, al, if al keeps playing this well i'm afraid that lebron will try to scoop him up because he's the only ad that's a realistic option for him at this point new yes. game ball goes to the dude for the, <laughs> the dude great, great comment um all right so looking ahead we are not going to preview iu ohio state tonight because we are going to do that tomorrow 
Friday, depending on when you're listening to this, in a special edition of the Assembly Call at 2 o'clock Eastern, Mark Titus, uh, who you know on Twitter as Club Trillion and from the great college basketball podcast, One Shining Podcast, he is going to join us. He, of course, grew up an IU fan and then went to Ohio State, so he has a really interesting, unique perspective. He'll be joining us tomorrow at 2. Andy, I know you can't be there. Ryan, are you going to be able to be there for that tomorrow? I cannot, sadly. I really want to be, but I can't. I'll text you in the morning and let you know. I may be able to work some things around but okay if you have if you have questions you want me to ask him let me know and any anybody listening if you have questions that you want to ask mark let me know really looking forward to that and then of course we also have the iu ohio state post game show on sunday that's the game that indiana will be wearing uh the the special issue uniforms to celebrate black history month and also uh, they will be honoring bill garrett the 70th anniversary of Bill Garrett uh, breaking the gentleman's agreement in the Big Ten to not play black players. Um, and I thought if you missed the video, there was a great video that Indiana basketball put out. That was awesome. Yeah, it had Al Durham, Juwan Morgan. What was the, was the What's the women's basketball player's name who's in that as well? We're going to show our ignorance of the women's basketball team here, and I apologize. Oh, but I know it. I think it starts with a Y. Yeah, so there, I'm not women, showing complete ignorance, but... Yeah, and all, um, all three, I'll, I'll all up. three of them, all three of them were absolutely fantastic. Just talking about the impact of Bill Garrett and appreciating the fact that without him and what he went through and you know what he was willing to do and who he was willing to be, you know they might not be here. I, I mean, Bill Garrett really—it's if you don't know the story of Bill Garrett and appreciate that he is not just you know one of the best players in IU basketball history because he's that, but he's also one of the most important figures. Um, and some people understand how good of a player he was, don't understand how important of a figure. Other people understand how important of a figure he was and don't understand he was Ten also basketball. an All-American. Yeah, yeah, in Big Ten basketball, not IU basketball. You know, not just IU basketball. Like, he's a huge deal. Yeah, and 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 him breaking the color barrier, I mean, that helped usher it in across, you know, across the country, too. So it's, I'm really glad that they're going to be honoring him. Um, so that'll be coming on Sunday uh, during the Ohio State game. The the women's player was Bendu Yaney, I think is how yeah. you spell it, or Yaney. So I was it had a Y, so I feel good about that. I yes. was close. I just couldn't. Uh, yeah, that couldn't was go. that was fantastic. So uh, make sure to check out the IU basketball Twitter account for that. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU post game show. We are wrapping up here. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15 percent off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and at HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. And on both sites, use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All right, gentlemen, it is time for Last Call. Andy, since you are in the Eastern time zone and it's a late game, you get to go first. Your final thoughts. Well, you really just turn your your head to the Ohio State game on Sunday because that that game, while it was important coming in, takes on additional importance now. I don't, I don't know how many times we've said that over uh, the course of the last couple of weeks, whereas this feels like a must-win game, and very few times has that actually uh, worked out in our favor. But it, it really does become important because then you hit the road again for the Minnesota game, and it's it's one that Ohio State is not playing all that well of late. They got off to a really hot start. Perhaps that uh, initial number one ranking in the net really got to their head and and really derailed their season. But um, you know they didn't play well. Almost lost at home to Penn State uh, earlier tonight in a in a foul plagued affair. And uh, so I, you know you really want to see IU come out and be able to play well for longer stretches and and try to put together as close as possible to a forty minute basketball game with the kind of effort and the kind of defense that we really saw in the second half. Uh, tonight, I think they're, I, you should be able, you know, the offense seems to be picking up a bit. 
a couple games in a row that been over a point per possession after that really dipped and as everybody's talked about I think you can can credit a lot of that to the return of Duran and how well you know he passed the ball uh, in, in in tonight's game so just becomes important Juwan's got to stay on the floor he's got another big test with with Caleb Weston I think you'll see a lot of Duran in that game as well but they've got to find ways to keep him on the floor because I use so much better with him out there uh, you know see some lineups with he and Duran potentially at the same time and, and be able to get a big win because it, it has to start it has to start now the you know all the how does IU get to the tournament can they get to nine conference wins we're running out of games to get there uh, if you keep dropping games at home and and that's one of the things you look at when you come into the season if this team can just protect its home court and while there haven't been a lot of home games lately you know losing three straight big 10 games at home uh, is a trend that has to change in a hurry particularly with you know five more uh, coming at home down the stretch and they've got to figure out a way to get back on track and hopefully that happens on Sunday Andy, is 13 and 18 enough to get us onto the bubble on the strength of our big wins? <laughs> is 13 and 18? Is the bubble bad enough? That we uh, the bubble is, is is poor to quite poor, but I'm not I'm not sure it's it's gotten to that level just yet. By the way, I want one note that you said about, you know, all these games being must wins. I'm pretty sure going all the way back to the Northwestern game, we have argued in different ways that Northwestern, Michigan, Rutgers, and Iowa were all must win games. The one that we didn't argue that for because we just didn't think there was a chance to win was the Michigan State game, and that's the one that we won. So it's been that kind of season. There's uh, also there's also a part of me that I realized this on, on Saturday. My wife brought this up, that there have been very few of IU's good wins this year that I have actually watched in the, its entirety live. And so if it makes anybody feel any better, my younger daughter is in a play on, uh, on Sunday afternoon. So I will not be watching the game live. So I did not watch the entirety of the Louisville game live win. I did not watch, I think, any of the Butler game live. That was a win. And I did not watch any of the Michigan State game live. That was a win. So uh, if this turns out the way it seems like things are going, I may only appear on the Thursday radio shows and just take the postgame shows off while I'm detained in an undisclosed location for the duration of the rest of the games. He ought to be fired. Coach has a point. Uh, Ryan, final thoughts. Uh, Last call, whatever we call it. Another Another, you sure you're okay over there? I'm good. It's late. <laughs> Another just rough loss for Indiana, but I think that we can all feel a little bit better about this one. Uh, that said, uh, Indiana's got to start moving. And I think Ohio State and Minnesota are two games, even though I hate, I with a passion, I hate the barn. I think these are two games that Indiana really has a chance to get moving on, and they've got a lot of time between them. You get six days between them. You go out, you get Ohio State on Sunday, you get that win. Then you've got till the weekend to get Minnesota. You can get well, you can get healthy, and you can feel good about getting a win uh, if you can beat Ohio State. Tonight, not a great performance at all in the first half. I think the second half, there was a lot to build on. You just got to get these guys to feel that sense of urgency a little sooner because they can close games. We've seen it before. We've seen it against Michigan State. We've seen it uh, early in the season. These guys know how to close a game, and we just haven't seen it lately. And when they do close games now, they're closing them, and it's too little too late, and you cannot do that. You have to feel that sense of urgency to put a game away or to get yourself in a good position earlier than they have. And, uh, you know, this is a team that's been a second-half team when it was winning all year, but you got to start that process earlier than they're starting it. So I would say, uh, really, these guys need to sort of focus up on Sunday and I know it's an early start, but they got to focus up and come out and, and come out on fire and come out hungry to get that win. Cause if they get that win against Ohio state, then things start looking a little bit better. You play at Minnesota after a week off, then you get Purdue at home 
I mean, you know that place is going to be nuts. And they've shown they can compete with this Iowa team. They're going to go on the road and face Iowa. A team, again, as I said, they've shown they can compete with. Then you get Wisconsin at home. Michigan State, a team they already beat at home and a team that's struggling. You get Illinois. And we'll be there for that one. We will. Illinois and Rutgers. I mean, you know, these are win- they're winnable games down the stretch. They've got to find a way to come together and, and push through the finish line, though. Yeah, you know, I find myself here as we close up this show wanting to feel better about what happened tonight because there were some signs of, you know, of growth in the second half. But, man, I just I can't get past, you know, in the Nebraska game, the Michigan game and this game, the periods of just listlessness from this team and from individuals on this team. And it was a lot less tonight. And so that's why, you know, there is some reason for optimism that, hey, maybe Sunday will be even better but man, I just it's really hard to watch an Indiana basketball team that seems to save some of its least inspired play for its home court. And I don't really understand what it is, you know, about this team and what's happened to this team since January and maybe it's random, maybe it's not. I just know that we've all looked forward to, you know, February and March because Indiana was going to come down the stretch with a lot of home games, and right now this team actually seems more comfortable on the road. So we're going to find out if having this many home games down the stretch is a blessing uh, or a curse. Hopefully this team is able to figure out what's going on, get itself righted, allow the crowd to work for them, you know, make those big plays, you know, make the effort plays when you can get the crowd going, because right now it's not happening. And, you know, when you're losing, you know, when you're on a losing streak at home, that's something that needs to get snapped quick. So hopefully uh, it gets snapped on Sunday when Indiana hosts Ohio State because it's a big win or, or it's a, a, a big game and a big opportunity for Indiana to get an important win that they really need now as we come down the home stretch. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you Friday at 2 Eastern with Mark Titus and then after the IU-Ohio State game on Sunday. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And cut, gentlemen. God, we lost again, man. (sighs) Speechless. Literally speechless. We usually have fun things to say on AC After Dark. Yeah, not really. I think we're all late night, another loss. We're live on YouTube. Oh, my God. 
It's a good thing I didn't just start swearing like I wanted to there. Mm. Uh, I mean, it could have been entertaining. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so tomorrow I do not think I'm going to be able to do it. Um, All right. But I will let you know if that changes. What time are you having them on? 2 Eastern. Okay, so it'll be 11 my time. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we're kind of all hands on deck this week, so okay, because of uh, certain developments that you know about. I do that aren't that aren't public yet. <clears throat> mm. Well, we will not make them public here. No, no, mm. definitely not. Sorry, guys. yet yet another late night tease. That's but... <laughs> not a tease. This is about my my day job. It's not really a tease. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Don't make me feel bad. <laughs> this is actually like Ryan doesn't want other people to make him feel bad. Yeah, no, really. Fine. Yeah. But uh yeah. So anyway. I think right. legally I'm not allowed to say anything. So this is not just me. No, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm messing um, with you. All right. All right. Well, hopefully me not being here will be a good luck charm again. Yeah, for, I'm looking forward to it, man. Hopefully. Yeah. So are you good for Sunday then, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll see if Coach is free. Coach, if you're in the chat, if you're free Sunday, let us know. It's after midnight. If Coach is still up, that would be. Man's got a class to teach tomorrow. Yeah, he does. It's only. It feels like a Friday, but it's only Thursday. No, well, it actually is Friday. That's because Friday, any yeah, Friday where I am. Well, Not that's for true. me. <laughs> that's true. It's only like nine thirty. I don't know what you're complaining about. Uh, <clears throat> all right. All right. All right, guys. Well, we'll reconvene on Sunday. Hopefully, this team can start a winning streak. By the way, I put out a post a couple weeks ago before the Michigan game where I tried to predict every game. I've been wrong on all four games. Nice. <laughs> all four games that have been you played. You are so really far. bad at pick them. You really, really are bad at pick them. Um, this year, yes. When we I did it on the air the last time, we did it on the air. That's because you... I picked Indiana. Every well, he time. would pick IU every time. Yeah, and yeah. Well, that season was terrible. Hey, that was a pretty good strategy in 2012 and 2013 when we started the show. It worked out pretty well then. <laughs> that strategy hasn't been so good outside of like the second half of the 2016 yeah. season since then. But here we are. All right, everybody. True. All right. Let's go to bed. Later on. See you Bye. See you guys. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.